What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Up shortly, uh, number 17 in my Founders series. Crazy that I've had this many people on um, already for the Founders series. Uh, Kunal Kohli, who I just had a great conversation with. Um, He's done a lot of different things, and we obviously dive into it. Um, Most recently and most well-known, he was one of the co-founders of Boo Brands, which is Essentially, they took on um, bouillon and other um, basically cooking products, gravies, uh, flavorings, even soups. Uh, But really, they got well known for their bouillon cubes uh, that are now found in Whole Foods and across the country in lots of different distribution points. Um, They just called kind of called BS on what goes into making cooking more flavorful. And, you know, they didn't want to compromise function and natural ingredients into cooking. So they came up with this product. Um, He has spent a few years building this brand and most recently um, stepped away from that business and is now uh, working at a company called Union Crate. And we get into all of this stuff. uh, Just want to give you guys a little background on Kunal. He is really knowledgeable very energetic and uh, just a great guy. And so pumped to have him on the podcast. Um, As always, before I jump in, just wanted to remind you guys of a few show notes that you can find. Uh, If you want to get started with investing and you don't know where to start or what platform to use, seriously, I talk about this at nauseum, but Robinhood, uh, they're not a sponsor. I just love, I've used them for years and uh, they've gained a lot of popularity this year. Um, But you know, no fees, no commissions. I mean, you can start with literally a dollar and invest in a company. So give it a shot. Uh, if you use the link in my bio, you get a free stock when you sign up. And if you don't know what companies to even start looking at, uh, you can go to the next link, which is the COVID stock market rebound tracker. Really, this is just a free resource that I share with all of my listeners. Uh, it's a basically a list of all of the stocks that I'm either invested in, looking to invest in, or keeping on my radar. So a great free resource for all of you. Uh, If you want to get on track with your health, your wellness, your sleep, your recovery, your strain each day, um, a product that I've used now for over a year is called Whoop. And, um, you know, having athletes and founders on this podcast, one thing's been consistent, and that's, you know, people taking care of their bodies uh, and getting enough sleep seems to be a consistent thing um, with people who are looking for longevity and to be healthy. So if you want to try out Whoop, you can get a free strap, the actual physical hardware that you wear on your wrist. And uh, if you want to get a free month, use the link in my bio when you sign up and you will get both of those. All right, everybody. Up right after this, Kunal, I hope you guys enjoy. He's a great, great guest and I had a lot of fun. All right. Without further ado, Kunal Kohli. Thank you, everybody, for joining for another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. I am excited today to have Kanal Coley on the podcast. Kanal, thank you for joining. Shane, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time. Do you want to give the listeners just a little background into um, you know your career and what you've been up, up to the last few years? Sure, sure. So um, 
I primarily started my career in the investment banking world. Uh, I think like a lot of bankers who get out of it, uh, hated it. Um, you know, a lot of uh, long nights, a lot of hours. Um, and then, you know, kind of uh, moved on, played poker for a little while, um, you know, paid the bills, which was uh, pretty cool. Oh, you actually um, played like professional poker? Yeah, like professional, you oh, know, whoa. year, year and a half. Um, not too many people know about it. I guess they'll know now. But yeah, it was it was fun. And then, uh, you know, the wife said, if you want to get married, you're gonna have to get a real job. So, uh, <laughs> then obviously went and got a real job. Um, you know, I actually started working doing some management consulting, um, got a gig with a uh, food brand. It was an Italian food brand. Um, <clears throat> they partnered with a uh, you know, a celebrity, his name is Paul Serino. Uh, I don't know if you remember Goodfellas, where mm-hmm. he cut the garlic with the razor. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's a cool guy. Um, he's also an opera singer, which was pretty pretty fun, because he would actually just bust out into an opera song a couple times during meetings. And oh, wow. <laughs> Up-close deals. Um, but then while I was working there, I actually, um, you know, got hooked up with uh, Robert, who ended up being my uh, partner in uh, Boo. Um, you know, he uh, ran a brand in the UK, um, looking to launch in the US. So I became the general manager um, in the US for that. So pretty much agreed to do um, a ton of things that I had no clue how to do it. But uh, I learned, um, yeah. right, that that's the way that you kind of move forward in building businesses is that you just uh, say yes and figure out how to do it. Um, was working on that. They went another direction. They ended up uh, selling the co- our company, got acquired by uh, Diamond Food Center Lance. No here, um, we we're like, you know, what's what's next? And that's when the idea for Boo came around. Um, you know, we I was working very closely with a manufacturer um, for the products that we were going to bring from the UK. Um, they kind of presented this idea to me, and I'm like looking at it. I'm like, Boyan, seriously? It's like the least sexiest thing out there, right? <laughs> like, how are we going to make Boyan cool? Um, and then when I went out, did some more research, went into stores, you know, it was a product that was everywhere, right? It was in your natural specialty retailers like Whole Foods and Wegmans. It was in your conventional ShopRite stop and shop even in like your mass, right? Like your Walmart, your Costco's, all that type of stuff. So I was like, you know what? Maybe there is something here because what we saw was just a lot of like the nasty stuff, right? Like okay. people, people refer to them as salt cubes, you know, cause it's just packed with a ton of salt, um, you know, bad ingredients. So, you know, with our manufacturer, um, you know, we figured out a proprietary way to take out all of that, not all the salt, but a lot of the salt. Um, wow a lot of the, you know, artificial ingredients and really focus on taste, you know, um, fresh ingredients, et cetera. And we worked on it for nine to 12 months. Oh, wow. uh, and yeah, we, we, we launched, right. It was like a side gig for Robert and myself. We were working full-time somewhere else. Um, and, you know, literally we, we launched it. We got in touch with the Whole Foods buyer. Um, I think in the fourth or fifth month uh, that we launched, Oh, wow. Within 48 hours. Yeah. It, it, it was crazy how everything just developed and like snowballed. Like, you know, literally, you know, we have this meeting, get set up with this meeting. In 48 hours, uh, the buyer calls us back and goes, hey, listen, you know, I like what you guys are doing. I looked at my data. I'm going to launch you into 10 out of the 11 regions come September. Whoa. Did you, so, were you even ready for that? 
no. Right. It's like one of those things where you just nod your head and say, yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And, um, that's what we did, you know, uh, wow. with Whole Foods, it's a pretty big deal. And uh, we're like, okay, this is a real business now. So I, I moved over full time. Um, and, you know, that, that opens up all the doors. You know, you get distribution with UNFI and then yeah. you know, all of a sudden you become like a real business. So, yeah, we, uh, we did that. I grew the business, um, you know, uh, triple kind of first year, you know, we're growing by uh, double, triple digits. We're now in over 9,000 doors nationwide. Uh, You know how many SKUs now? 14, 15 SKUs. So yeah, it's pretty cool. That's exciting. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it like happened that fast from the research I did. So what, when you launched, were you guys just like on, on your own? Did you have a website? Like where'd you start? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we started out obviously, uh, refining the products The the first product range was the boy on cubes. Then we came out with gravy cubes which has never been done before so yeah yeah, gravy is in like nasty goop in like a jar or powder um and uh you know a lot of artificial ingredients kind of same thing right so same kind of category we we brought a cube angle to it uh better for you ingredients right so you know when we first launched we launched you know into like the um independent retailers in like the New York area. There's tons of them, yeah. so okay. smaller distribution. Um, had a website, we were selling, you know, through our Shopify store, getting onto Amazon, et cetera. Um, but the play was always brick and mortar. It was always, you know, Boyan, it, it's not a heavily searched item online, right? It's Got it, okay. A, it's, an, it's a cooking ingredient that people are buying, you know, as they go down the aisles within the grocery store. And we always knew that. Um, so the plan was to go after retail. I just didn't think it was going to be Whole Foods and nor did I think it was going to be that quick because Whole Foods, you got to, you know, build out region by region. Right. Um, Yeah. And then when that happened, open up distribution with UNFR is like, all right, you know, now we have a hunting license. Now we can go out there and getting more retailers. That's a great analogy. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, how did, um, I I feel like your that product too, it must have been just like a perfect combination for Whole Foods. Like it just seems like such a, they see, they always seem like a player that wants to take people in early. If if it's a, if it's like a disruptive, better for you type of product, I always love just like going to Whole Foods because I just feel like I always run into brands that I you know you don't see everywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, Whole Foods kind of built their entire business right on pioneering um, new products, new categories right? Um, tons of brands that are currently out there in the market. You know, I'm seeing, I, I didn't even realize how many brands are out there until I joined, you know, Union Crate. And, you know, we're trying to work with a lot of these guys as well. And, you know, Whole Foods has always been at the forefront of finding kind of these better for you, healthier alternatives, right? Um, and again, you know, they're willing to um, support you in that. So they were very big on like the local kind of suppliers type of thing, et cetera. I mean, listen, th- their business model has definitely evolved since then. You know, one of the biggest issues I think was that there wasn't really a lot of consistency from one region to the next. So they definitely have improved upon that. But yeah, I mean, like I was thinking that we were going to be going after like stop and shop, shop right first. Okay. And, yeah. And Whole Foods come in. But uh, yeah, it, it was funny how it worked out the opposite. Right, right. One of my questions I had for you too, because I, you know, I didn't know this background of the story was just like, how did you go from investment banking to food? You kind of explained already just like the first step, 
And then how did you, but then how did you, like, where did this idea come from, I guess? Like, where was like the ideation? Do you remember like having the conversation with your partner where you were like, let's do this. Let's, let's start it on the side. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, like, you know, he obviously comes from the food and beverage world. He's been successful. Um, you know, I've been in there. I've, you know, consulted with a lot of like startup brands as well. Um, you know, I helped them, you know, with their sales and marketing strategy, you know, getting into a bunch of retailers and everything as well. So it was always fun, right? It, it was like a passion. I loved seeing like how you actually like think of something in your head and like, you know, I'm going to now turn this into a product. You turn it into a product, which is, you know, already a win. And then now you're actually seeing it in store, which yeah. is a bigger win. Right. And right. entrepreneurs in this space can relate to that. Like, you know, I don't even know where I was randomly, just like on a trip, just going in to get like a drink, right? To like one of these stores. And it's like a small mom and pop store. And I'm like, oh shit, there's Boo. Like, you know. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool to see that happen. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, listen, you know, one thing that I'll say is that, you know, our, our boy on was definitely, um, I'm not going to say a game changer. It was just, you know, we were coming into a very tired category. It was very sleepy. Right. No innovation at, at all. Still dominated by all the big brands. So I think, you know, Whole Foods, especially, you know, they're not, you know, uh, they're not a retailer that's just going to promote all these enterprise types of companies, right? They want to see innovation and, you know, different, you know, smaller brands, you know, solving a need. And, you know, when we kind of, when we launched and we launched within Whole Foods, the feedback was great. You know, like people were like, you know, wow, I never thought that Boyan could taste this good. Or I thought that it couldn't have, you know, it needed to have this much salt because, you know, it has to retain its shape and it needs to have a long shelf life. So that was, you know, a couple of challenges that we had to overcome. But yeah, I mean, going from, uh, if you would have told me when I graduated college that I was going to launch a Boyan business, I would have <laughs> you're smoking something yeah uh, but yeah i mean it's 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 fun right the journey that uh, i've been on you learn a lot um i'm a i'm a guy who preaches you know learn from your mistakes don't be shy to make any mistakes you know mistakes are what you know build your experience um you know i've connected with a ton of founders entrepreneurs etc kind of in the past three four months and I'm like, listen, you know, you're going to learn a lot. What I can show you are the mistakes that I made and the experiences that I learned from them. Right. Sure. Yeah. What are, just to build on that, what are some like mistakes you guys made at Boo early on that like you learned from and, and you know, maybe help pivot or change the way you got, where you headed? Yeah. I would say the first thing is build a company to last, not to sell. Mm. Right. That's definitely, you know, I, I think that, you know, when people kind of have had success before or they've been through an acquisition, they, they automatically think that they have the winning formula, right? There is no such thing. Every business, every brand, every product is different. Uh, how you approach it is going to be different. Um, you know, you can't just depend on, you know, knowing what's going to happen because it doesn't work that way, right? So, but another thing is that if you try to grow too quick, you're going to make costly mistakes, right? You're going to invest in things that if you didn't plan it out properly, it's going to cost you. And it did, for it. right? You know, we had uh, a product launch that we put a lot of money into um, and we thought was going to end up being our hero range. It wasn't. We actually, um, we didn't discontinue, although we should have, but we ended up, 
you know, repackaging, reformulating and, um, you know, going out with another strategy. So mm. my first thing is 100% build your company to last, not to sell. Um, number two is, you know, don't rush to go and raise a ton of money, right? Okay. Money, money is obviously needed to build a brand, but you need to prove out concept first, right? You need to get that feedback, not just from your buyer or your distributor or your broker, you need consumer feedback because those are the people that are going to be 100% honest with you, right? And they're the ones that are buying your brand and not just buying your brand. There has to be some type of emotional attachment that they have to it. Right. Continue to use it. Um, so, you know, shoelace your budget, right? Like shoestring your budget, not shoelace, shoestring your budget. Like, you know, Try to go out there and spend only $10 to bring in $50, right? Don't try to go and spend $100 to bring in $50. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs do, especially the ones that have raised a ton of money. They're just concentrating on the top line when you right. really focus on your bottom line from day one. Got it. So if be profit focused from the start and not just top line. 100%. Yeah. Margin focus too. Always look for ways to improve your margins. That totally makes sense. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people who are just worried about getting into the next door lose sight of that. Um, you know, I I can I came in at RX like after the acquisition, right after as the acquisition was going on. Um, but it's interesting talking to founders and in my experience at RX, just like everyone has done it slightly different. But it does seem with what you said that that seems to be like a common theme is you know be bottom line focused be margin focused and that stuff goes a long way. And even if you're, if you're someone deep down who thinks they're going to sell, is that, is the, the reason you're saying build a business that um, will last? Is that because even if you do sell, that's how you build a company that's avail- like ready to sell or like worth selling kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, at RX Bar, right? Like Peter and, you know, when they first started, you know, they were focused on, uh, their bottom line, right? Yeah. They weren't spending money that they didn't have. Um, another person, Daniel Levitsky, right? I look up to him very much. You know, I bumped into him on a plane and, you know, uh, gathered up the courage to go up to him. And now I, you know, exchange emails with him and he's incredibly nice, offers a lot of great advice, you know? And again, he said the same thing in his book is that don't spend money that you don't have, right? right. You need the investor money as a way to grow your business efficiently. My, my team always used to laugh at me because I would use the two E's, efficient and effective, right? Uh, yeah. if you're not either one of those, your business will fail sooner or later, right? If you don't implement the right systems, the right processes, if you don't have the right people um, to back you up, you're just going to keep on spinning your wheels until you have to turn off the lights, right? And don't get me wrong, like, you know, there, there were times that that almost happened to us at Boo, right? We had to make some serious changes, had to have some, you know, serious discussions about, you know, what was going to happen with the future of the company if we went down this path or not. So when, when people actually pay attention to their bottom line and are building it to the point where it can pay for itself, plus it yeah. can pay for your, your, your life, your salary and all that, then the acquisitions, the, 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 the mergers, the acquisitions, those will come, right? And case in point is RX bar, yeah. Con bar, et cetera. Sure. Yeah, it totally makes sense. 
Do you have any advice for people? Like what I, one thing that's been interesting having a few folks on here that have raised money early on is I've always asked them kind of to your point, like why, like why did you decide to raise money so early? And do you have any advice for people who, let's just say, you know, you want to start a CPG brand or, or whatever the business is. um, Should you almost have like, and this is probably impossible to like predict or know the right amount, but like, how do you know you have enough money maybe set aside to be able to fund yourself? Cause I think that's the challenge that I've heard some people go through is like, they they're just burning faster than they can. Yeah. Then they, then they can support their, their own business. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, listen, I, I don't know there is, if there is an answer yeah. uh, for starting out your business, right? Like I would say whatever you are thinking in your head, triple that. Um, okay. Because, <laughs> There, there are so many factors and variables that go into building a business, right? First and foremost, it's all dependent on your sales or, you know, um, market strategy, right? Like, right. are you going to be selling brick and mortar or are you going to be focusing more on D2C, right? COVID in, has obviously, in a way, helped brands get off the ground because the focus has been shifted more to e-commerce, yeah. right? I think I was reading somewhere that the growth that e-commerce has experienced this year was projected to take eight to 10 years to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, businesses can be more profitable um, by going down the e-commerce route because you're cutting out that middleman and the distributor. Right. Right. And and the retailer margin, obviously you're going to have margins that you need to give to uh, Amazon or, you know, Shopify is going to be less. So you actually make more money. Right. But again, it's, it's a bit more difficult to grow or scale the brand um, as much as you would in brick and mortar. And then obviously you need to rely on your forecasts. Um, and this is something that I, you know, um, talk about every day. Right. OK. You know, at Union Cray, we work with a lot of established brands who, you know, still are forecasting very manually. Right. They're primarily only taking in their historical information while they may have access to data, they don't necessarily know how to use it or build it into their forecast, right? So, you know, we provide the, the AI component to it, like, you know, our partnerships with data providers, and et cetera, like, you know, we're providing higher accurate forecasts. But when you're first starting out, you're, you're not going to go and work with an AI, you know, demand planning. Company. Sure. Yeah. You're going to rely on your, um, you know, the, the, the knowledge of the category any data that you can get, right? And then you're just gonna kind of throw in numbers and try to build it that way and then try to understand what your cash flow is gonna look like and how much money you're going to need. Forecasts at that early stage are never going to be right. Right. Uh, yeah. Take into consideration all the things that could go wrong and will go wrong. Um, so I, I would say that if you think it's gonna take, you know, fifty thousand to get this up and running. I would budget 150,000. Got it. No, that totally makes sense. You, you hit a, uh, you hit a, 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 a thing for me. Cause I, I did, that's what I started at RX was forecasting like our e-commerce business. And yeah. um, it's amazing. You know, I, I had done forecasting at my other two finance roles, but at much larger, I was at walmart.com. So like different type of forecasting. What was amazing to me at RX was to your, what you just said, like the unpredictability of what you don't know is coming is crazy. And it's, it is, it's so hard to be, 
I think for any business, it's, it's amazing to think of all the different things that you don't know are coming. And so trying to plan for that and have the cash to, uh, to not, to not run out too early. Do you think, um, do you think some of that though, for, you know, companies who go and raise money, it may be prematurely, maybe not. Um, do you think a lot of those, do, the brands that you've met or worked with, um, are there, is there usually like another way, whether it's like cutting costs, being more efficient, as you said, uh, and, and that just seems like an easier route to go raise some money. And when they're actually not fixing maybe like the root problem or issue. 100%. Um, I actually, you know, posted something on LinkedIn last week where, um, you know, I was always looking for what was going to go wrong, right? Instead of focusing on all the great things and all that stuff, I think, you know, as a leader, you need to kind of foresee the issues that you may run into. So I was always looking for solutions that would help um, improve, um, you know, just, just how we operated, right? Because when you're, when, you're, when you're running a business, you know, the sales and marketing expenses are always going to be there. I'm sure that a lot of companies can relate that they tend to go over budget because they think that if they spend more on marketing, it's going to lead more to sales, right? But right. that does work in some cases, but then at the same time, in order to hit those sales, you're putting a strain on your supply chain and your operations, your expenses are going up, which then obviously affects your bottom line, right? So I, I would always go and be like, what can we do to fix the bottom line, right? So what can we do to implement better systems, more efficiencies, um, you know, have people be more focused on the things that they actually need to accomplish instead of wearing, you know, it's fine in a startup, everyone's gonna wear multiple hats, but, you know, let's not be the jack of all trades. Let's be the master of, you know, one, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, that's where I was always looking for different types of tools that could help, you know, improve, you know, even time, right? Like if I could implement a system that, you know, was not so much money, but was going to free up time from, you know, certain team members to go and focus on the things that they needed to focus on, like that's an opportunity cost, right? Like I'm yeah. definitely going to go ahead and take advantage of that. Um, you know, same thing kind of on the, you know, sales side of things. If I knew that I could go and work with some type of solution that helped me understand how my product was performing at store level, or if I could see what was happening at the store level, you know, it may have been a big upfront cost at that time. But again, the opportunity cost over time would work out better for me. And this, again, it goes back to your margins, right? You really have to have a good grasp on what your gross and your net margins are. If you can improve those, you know, functions or those areas, like we did, like, you know, our logistics costs were getting out of hand, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, and it was, you know, we were not working with the best 3PL, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Service levels weren't great, um, constantly, you know, orders were being, you know, messed up, all that type of stuff. So the first thing that we did was actually I implemented Union Crate's ERP, right? Oh, we were cool. the first small company to implement that ERP solution. It streamlined all of my order process, inventory management, and um, purchase orders. And then when I was able to do that, I then had the ability to have a more intellectual conversation with my 3PL. And I was like, what's going on here, guys? Now there shouldn't be any issue a reason for you to be messing up my orders, there's a problem on your side. So you know what? I'm going to take away my brick and mortar business away from you, and I'm going to move it to another 3PL. And I uh. did that in a matter of three to four months. 
and I actually saw my logistics costs improve by 18%. It's a pretty oh, wow. deal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you can figure out things like that, like, you know, take a step back, understand, really dissect the problem, where, where it's starting, what solution you can implement, and then take action from there. Don't just go, you know, all in, oh, we've got to stop working with this guy, or, oh, no, you know, th- this is not the right thing for us, or, you know, we got to figure out how to lower our costs on our products. It, it doesn't work like that, right? Like, you got to attack it from a couple of different angles and find that solution that is going to be effective for you. Got it. Okay. Do you have any advice, you know, for anyone listening? Because um, that right there, that's actually it's actually a tip I honestly haven't really heard was like thinking about implementing systems that save people time to focus on the bigger things. How did you, back in those earlier days, how did you decide, you know, what was, what was worth the investment versus like, you know, cause I think one thing that a lot of founders talk about is just being scrappy. So I could also, I could see people being like, well, instead of spending money on the system, we just need to be scrappier or, or you know what I mean? How do you balance those two things? Right. Well, I would always go and look at, you know, where were we having the biggest problem or where did we have the biggest gap? Right. And then took those few areas, whatever they are, and be like, you know, where are we spending or losing out on the most dollars? Right. And once you get a better understanding of what that is, you know, then you go and start looking for what potential solutions are out there. And it's funny, like there are solutions for a lot of things, right? Yeah, um, right. Things that, you know, I didn't even know about while I was at Boo and I came to Union Crate. I'm like, holy cow, that exists. Okay, um, yeah. And, and it does, right? So once you factor in what that problem is, how big of a problem that is, right? And what solution you can implement that is going to help you, whether it's going to save you time, it's going to save you money because time is money. That, right. That's fact, right? Um, And if it provides you with those resources that could help you grow your business more, that's what I would go after, right? Um, And not to keep relating this back to Union Credit, it's just because that's the transition, right? I went from building. Yeah, yeah. No, that was my next question. So that's perfect. I went from building my brand to experiencing all the pain points to then sharing off the space with these guys at Union Crate. Oh, wow. Yeah, really understanding what they do and how they actually, you know, because the CEO founder of uh, Union Crate Chastry used to run his own brand too. He uh, was like the first guy to bring matcha to the U.S. Oh, wow. And he realized the problem. He had a problem with being able to manage his inventory, being able to manage his demand. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to go and build the system out there because he wasn't happy with the solutions that were being offered. A lot of them were just automating the process he okay. didn't need information he needed someone to tell him this is what he's going to need to have you know three to four months down the road so he built it right and you know that was one of the biggest issues that we kept on having is because our forecasts were changing constantly yeah you can't have a forecast that's changing constantly because it's very difficult then to manage budgets right oh, yeah it's, I've lived know, this life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know all about it, right? So like your forecast is driving your budget. It's driving your cash flow. It's obviously driving everything to do within your corporate strategy. So if your forecast is constantly changing, there's, it's very difficult to change the other things at the drop of a dime, like, you know, entering right. in a number into this uh, Excel spreadsheet. So we needed a better solution. We needed a better system. We needed something that was more reliable and listen i'll be the first one to admit i was building the forecast but i mean i tried to do my best the only way yeah. you can really do your best is understanding what's happening 
at not only your distributor level, the retailer level, but also the consumer level, right? Like, and that's a lot of information, especially for one guy like me to, to handle. Yeah. Um, like companies now have teams built around that, right? Right. Let's tell you the truth. I don't even think the teams can, you know, teams can't beat, beat machines, right? Like machines are running like all of these different algorithms and all that type of stuff. So when they told me about that, we were sharing off space and I was hearing about all the great things they were doing with all of these bigger brands and all that type of stuff. I mean, wow. I was like, why not? And it's not, it wasn't expensive, but again, it's an opportunity cost, right? Right. So, you know, it was something willing, we were willing to invest in because it gave us more uh, resources, more time, more money to focus on other things. Gotcha. No, I mean, that's a great, that's actually a great story, kind of a light bulb in my head, because it's been funny, um, you know, it, things have changed a lot. But back when I first year or so at RX, so like when we were really 2018, our forecast team went from it really was one person, and then it turned into nine of us. Yeah. And so, I mean, all of us forecasting different channels that would then get consolidated into like one forecast. Um, and I, I mean, I think you could probably apply this to anything, but the reason this, that kind of resonated with me was like, we always thought the way to be more accurate is to have more people that are more focused when in reality, and probably we were also close to it. And we, we, we had envisioned growing the team that the last thing any of us would have thought of is like, I wonder if we can just get a software to do what we're doing. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You could have like almost replaced your job to some degree if you would have thought about that way. But it's yeah. interesting to hear that because there's probably lots of parts of businesses as you scale that that could be the answer versus just like getting more people and yeah. increasing your overhead. No, absolutely. We'll talk about that for, for our X bar, but listen, we're not here to replace people, right? You know, sure. like companies want to operate lean, right? Yeah. And just like you said, a lot of companies don't have the ability to hire, you know, eight, nine, 10 people just to do, you know, kind of one function, right? right. You know, it's, it's, um, it's very difficult. Even a lot of these, you know, bigger brands, RX Bar, other enterprise uh, companies as well, you know, you still need that human intelligence, right? So when you, when you tie in that human intelligence plus that AI, then a lot of the great things happen, right? Got because it. there's, I, I still feel there is a need for gut involved. Yeah in forecasting right like 100 if, if if you're seeing kind of what's happening <clears throat> with this pandemic right like you know our models can tell you that if a state is going to close down you're going to expect to see sales increase this much if a state is going to reopen then your sales may dip down because now people are going to go outside more and all that type of stuff and we did that for some of our clients right oh, wow. yeah but you know there is still you, you need still need that um human intelligence you still need to you know understand that okay if i'm going to run this promotion over here right and either i did this before in this retailer or my competitor did it you know i know that i'm going to sell 3x what i am right now right so that's a great thing about us is that hey we know that there is still some type of you know human intuition involved here so we give you guys the ability to actually update the forecast or overwrite it yeah okay right now again it's going to go you know There'll be one person who does it, who let's call it maybe like, you know, the specific uh, channel manager for that. And then there'll be an approval process where, you know, the, the two people come together and talk about why you made that change. And if it makes sense, all right, go for it. Let's do it. So again, it's, it's AI coupled with uh, HI, the human intelligence. Oh, I love it. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, this, so this was kind of going into my next question was, um, so, I mean, we've talked about Boo and, 
then I didn't, this is an interesting story of like how you end up having shared working spaces and, and got to meet the people at Union Crate. How did you, like, what made you then actually join? I mean, it's, a, it's one thing to like use their software and be like, oh, we'll use it for our brand. How did you yeah. then decide to go from running your own brand to then going over to Union Crate to actually work for a career? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's funny kind of how it all happened. Um, listen, you know, when, when you start a company, it becomes your everything, right? It's like, it's like your life. Yeah. It's like a baby. That's, that's what it is. Like I have two kids, you know, I, I would tell people that I have three, you know, I have my two girls and two. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you get so engrossed into everything, right? And every entrepreneur can relate. It, it just feels like you're responsible for every single thing that's going on. And in some cases you are, then you, you know, fortunately you raise money, you hire people, but you still want to be involved. You still want to be able to have, you know, an understanding of what's going on in each facet of the business. Right. And it took me a while to kind of get used to that as we, you know, grew out our team. Okay. You know, now I can take a step back from all of that stuff. I think, you know, COVID, um, COVID obviously helped our business and never want to make light of a terrible situation. Um, it did help our business, but it also kind of put, you know, a bit of a strain on like, you know, what's going to happen in the future, right? Oh, like, yeah. how, are gonna, how are we going to move forward? Because, you know, my, my partner, you know, was very, um, um, you know, more focused on the um, fundraising side. I was, you know, handling the operations of the business. He didn't really do much on that side. Um, so, you know, with his fundraising, he got a little nervous because, you know, people just stopped investing. Um, right. So, you know, we obviously had to cut expenses and everything, which was already a part of our plan anyways. Coming into 2020, a, a big um, goal or KPI of mine was that, you know, I needed to improve our EBITDA. And I did by almost 70%. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, when that happened, um, it was great. But then, you know, we there were some issues between my partner and myself, kind of the direction of the company, all that. Um, but listen, you know, we both said, listen, we are, uh, we want to take care of our baby. We want to make sure that our baby is moving forward. We both, you know, had blood, sweat, and tears um, into the business. So, you know, he actually stepped down as the CEO back in, you know, October of last year. I came on as, you know, took on the present role um, when he stepped down. And uh, then we both decided, hey, listen, you know, it's probably best to bring in someone else, right, um, to kind of, uh, you know, run the day to day. And, you know, so we can remove that emotional attachment that we tie to our leadership position over there. So um, listen, I'm very close with the new CEO. We still bounce ideas and everything off of each other. And I was like, you know, like, what's next for me? Like, what do I want to do? Um, and, you know, I kind of reached out to like my network, um, you know, got a few offers, you know, COO, CEO, you know, CPG space and all that stuff. And then I was like, laying there one night, I'm like, do I really want to go and run a brand again? Like, do I really <laughs> want to have these sleepless nights? Because it's, it's just in my nature, Shane, that yeah. I, I make everything mine, right? When I say mine, like, I, I care for it like my kid. So, you know, no, I, I can tell. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I will, I will put my time into it. There's no such thing as a nine to five to me or weekends, whatever it is. I, I mean, the last time, you know, I heard of a vacation was when I looked it up in a dictionary. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things where like, do I want to do this? And you know, obviously COVID changed a lot of things. People working from home. So I was like, do I want to at least be able to like, you know, hang out with my kids and, you know, do that. You know, I 
take things personally. So if there's a bad day, you know, I'm going to have a bad day at home and I don't want to do that because I have like right. little girls and they want to play with their dad. So, um, that's when I kind of started talking to Shastri and Chris, CEO, COO of Union Crate. And, um, you know, I, I told him that I was leaving. Boo. Um, Chris was like, well, what's next? I'm like, dude, I don't know what's next, but I want to take some time off. I want to be able to play golf on a midday weekday. I haven't done that in like 12 years. Uh, so I was doing that, but he's like, listen, you know, come on board. You know, you, you know, we got a great biz dev role for you over here. Obviously looking for partnerships, you know, someone that has experience running a brand. And I just loved everything that they were doing. Right. The solution, yeah. Um, you know, the, it, it, it's not just the tech itself um, and, you know, the value that we provide, it's the people, right? Like if you feel like, you know, you can fit in with a group of people who have like that same goal, that same vision, that same work ethic, you know, you're going to, you're going to do a good job just, or you're going to have fun while working with them. And that's what I really liked, right? Because I saw it firsthand. I was, you know, we were sharing office space and I saw, you know, a bunch of these guys, they would come in early morning, they wouldn't leave till night, but they were having fun doing it. You know, it wasn't, they were just like fully strained, stressed out, whatever. And that's kind of why I wanted to join here. And when Chris approached me, I, you know, gave it a lot of thought because I felt I lost my fun in Boo. Um, and when you do that and it's tough to kind of wake up and go to work, you're, you're not doing yourself any justice and you're not going to do your team or your company any justice either. Right. Like if you're yeah. not happy in what you're doing, everyone else will feel it and see it and it could just bring things down that's the last thing i want like i care more for my team about my than myself right yeah yeah be happy successful you know that's why we always give equity and all that stuff to team members so it it was that um and then after that kind of two weeks playing golf uh having the worst golf season that i've had in my entire life (laughs) that's that's how i came to unicorn so it was just two weeks. Two weeks is all you gave yourself. No, I would say it was it was like a month around. Okay. A month okay. Or so. um, you know, there's like contract negotiations and all that. Sure. Stuff. But I think I kind of made up my mind after a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, here I am, and uh, loving every minute of it. No, that's awesome. I think that's a really important point. Um, you know, it was funny. I I tell the story a lot. When I I got out of college and I worked at two fortune 100 companies so like major major corporations um never felt that like exciting love what i'm doing thing ever. i mean that just wasn't what it was but i remember the final interview i had was in person at rx um with peter nice and it was it was just like i remember walking in it was you know 50 people in a one floor office space and like you could like feel the culture like there was something just about it you could just feel it um and I talk about it all the time because I just remember those days when we were in the small office and it was, it felt like a startup. I mean, we, people were there early, they stayed late and we were having fun. Like we, it was just so much fun. Um, so I, I definitely can resonate with that. How do you, what do you tell people who maybe have never experienced that? Like, how do you go find that if you're someone who's never had that feeling before with work? <laughs> that's, that's tough. I, I mean, listen, like, you know, your work is to me work is not a job right you actually end up spending when we when we were in offices right you're probably spending more time with your colleagues than you are with your family at home right because you know you're there for you know eight nine ten hours whatever it is commute back and then you only have a couple hours eat dinner go to sleep right and then you kind of repeat it again 
if you're not having fun in what you're doing or what you're spending most of your time on, you're just kind of withering away. I feel like you're just like becoming like a cog um, and you're, you're in this system that you're just, it's just not going to lead to happiness. Right. And listen, people view happiness in, in different ways, right. Whether it's being secure financially, whether it's actually, you know, having fun in what they're doing, building certain things, whatever it is. Right. So if you're not having fun in either one of those ways, you're not, really experiencing life and you're kind of putting yourself into this position that you're just not going to be satisfied with whatever you do or whatever you accomplish. Right. And that kind of felt like what was happening to me a little bit towards the end of, you know, my uh, uh, career time at Boo was that I just kind of felt like I was this cog that just like was waking up, you know, running through the motions and, you know, then kind of just going and hanging out with the family and I'm still not even being as, you know, loving and fun as I normally was before. Sure. And yeah. I noticed that. Right. And, and she told me, she brought it up to me. She's like, listen, you know, yes, it's your business. It's your baby. You co-founded it. You know, you uh, built it with, you know, your, your own hands and you got into the weeds with the team and all that stuff. But if it's not what it used to be and you're not, you know, feeling that same kind of feeling like you used to, because you obviously noticed a huge difference, then it's maybe time to move on. Um, and that's what I would recommend to people right now. If you feel like you're just stuck, right? Yeah. And you feel like it's, you're not really getting anywhere. You're just, you're just spinning your wheels on a stationary bike, right? Um, then it's time to move on. And if you are worried about the finance piece of it, you know, are you going to be able to live? you'll make it work, right? Humans sure. are great that way. They, they can adapt. They, they can adapt to all these different types of changes. I had to, right? Like, um, you know, I, there was more security in investment banking, as I'm sure. Sure. That, oh, yeah. Right? Right. Um, and then, uh, I, I mean, I lived it by not knowing what my next day was going to look like after I was playing some poker and all that. Um, but then, you know, if you if you continue chasing that dream, you, you continue having have fun doing what you're doing, it'll all work out, man. That just, right. I feel like that's how it is. Like I'm a big believer in karma. Um, you know, and if you do good things and you know, you help people, you know, good karma will always follow you. So. Got it. No, I love it. That's great advice. Um, I think, I think the, the crazy thing this year, you know, I've talked to a lot of my friends and colleagues that I've talked to, um, you know, I think a lot of people probably to some degree this year has it's depending on the kind of business you work in, some people feel bored and a lot of people are worried about trying to leave during COVID with so much uncertainty, but it's interesting because there's companies like, like you guys at union create, and there's lots of different industries right now that are thriving too. You know what I mean? So it's, it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, you know, always have a stocked bar as well. So take right. care. Of- yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kunal, I had, so the, the last few questions I love to ask everyone I have on here are kind of the same, uh, but I, I think they're really important for the listeners. Um, sure. The first one, you obviously are a, like a high performing person. You've done lots of really interesting things. Um, you know, if anyone goes to your LinkedIn, I mean, I, I was just impressed. I'm like, he's done so many different things and it all just seems, <laughs> it seems impressive. What it's do you, it's all for show. It's all for show. <laughs> What do you use for uh, like goal setting and just, I always say like goal setting and then like even daily task management. Do you use like apps because you're a tech company now? Are you a pen and paper guy? Like what, what kind of stuff 
does do you use to organize your life? So, so I, I use my iPad. Okay. I don't think I know how to even write my name anymore because the <laughs> last time I probably picked up a pen. Like I, I do it for my signatures and my wife like laughs at my signatures. She has no You're idea. Like, what, what do I do with this pen? Yeah, it's just like scribble, whatever it is. Um, so what I, I always have like a to-do list, right, that I kind of put together um, at, at night while I'm in bed, you know, of what I need to do the next day, who I need to reach out to, follow ups, you know, whatever it may be. So I'm a big uh, user of uh, the Notes app. Um, gotcha, okay. Yep. On, uh, ever since I joined UnionCrate, Slack seems to be the uh, formal communication uh, channel. Um, I even sometimes write, you know, emails to myself from you know one email address to another ah, I've done but, that. I do that sometimes yeah, yeah exactly because like you know it's something like pops up in your head and you know whatever it's it like, is um yeah so I, I'm a very big uh, notes app user my calendar runs my life right okay yeah you know it's funny like I, I don't even know sometimes like how I like I, I was just talking to someone else where like it's very easy for me to miss meetings or be very late because either the notification wasn't turned on or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just, I'm like 10 minutes late to like the most important meeting now. Like even with this, I'm like, you know what? I got to sign on earlier. So I don't screw up. I did notice that. I was like, Oh shit, he's on. (laughs) I got like, I get an email when people come on the zoom and I was like, Oh wow, he's he's on early. This is awesome. Absolutely. Like, you know, I just always make sure that I have my phone in hand and I'm not saying to constantly look at it just because if something does pop in my head, you know, I'm quickly on my notes app and making sure that I jot it down. So got it. I gather my thoughts and all that stuff that way. Yeah. I, I, um, that's really interesting to hear. I've, I've heard a few people recently have been bringing up the notes app on iPads. I don't have an iPad, but is there a reason you like the iPad over the phone? Well, just, is it just bigger? And I, I have, I have that, you know, the, the keyboard to the iPad as well. So ah, I think it's a bit it. easier, um, you know, to actually work on it. Um, you know, since COVID hit, a lot of my friends have been also, uh, we, we do these uh, little poker tournaments. Oh, nice. You really are into the poker thing. This is, uh, this is cool. Uh, well, online, I, I wouldn't play online. I'll only play online against my friends because, okay. you know, I, I'm willing to lose like the 20, 30 bucks over there, but I would never do it again uh, online. So, you know, I'll have, <laughs> you know, my poker app open and you can split screen now. So I'll have like oh, yeah. uh, notes as well. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's good when the kids are asleep, you know, we're watching a show that I'm most likely not interested in because my wife is picking the shows. So I'm uh, <laughs> a little poker and, uh, you know, writing my uh, notes down. Love it. Love it. No, that's fantastic. I know I, I, I'm a person uh, this year, for some reason, I got really into like writing things on paper again. Oh, really? But the only thing is, I always then need it when I don't have it around yeah. me. Like I'll be out at the store or something and be like, shit, I gotta remember this. And so I end up being in my notes app anyway. So I do like that. It's like, it's always with you. Yeah, I tried. And then I think there was just like one point where I was like, I couldn't read my own handwriting. I'm like, this is not working. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a better solution. Exactly. I feel like at a tech company too, you probably almost, I feel like it's maybe, I wonder if notebooks even exist at most tech companies anymore. No, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> the only way that it exists is probably if it was like on my desk or something. But that's Right. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Um what is your, and again, this is, you know, this is talking about paper again, but do you have like a favorite book or I even say like source of knowledge, whether that's like a podcast, a Ted talk, something that you would tell people would be a great thing to go watch or learn or read? Uh, yeah. Um, Start With Why is one of my favorite books of all time. I, it's probably cliche, but I can't tell you how much it really helped us at Boo. Um, I will say that when we first launched the business, you know, we were in Boyan Gravy Cubes. We knew it wasn't going to be a um, 
fast growing company, right? Or when I say, or the, the products weren't going to be turning over so quickly. It's not okay. like, you know, when you do a demo, you know, RX bar, you know, there's like people can go and grab like 20 bars. Yeah. Right. right. People aren't going to go and grab 20 jars of boy on it. Well, that's time. interesting. Right. Cause it's true. Like, I mean, like for me, when I was for like people, a lot of people when we back when we were commuting or, you know, when you go to the gym, that was like someone would have an RX bar every morning. Right. I do. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the blueberry. So okay. I, yeah. There you I, go. One of the best. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we knew that, um, you know, it, it wasn't going to be a uh, fast growing uh, product. I, sorry, I lost my train of thought. So I'm we, sorry. I know I cut you off. You were yeah. saying fast moving product like that, you know, it's one in a, once in a while you pick one up at the store. You were, right. you were saying to start with why. Yeah, to start with why. Right, exactly. So, you know, we knew that we needed to launch with another product to get us to the, you know, kind of the targets and everything that we wanted to hit. But I think we lost our way because we didn't really understand who we were and what we were about. Because, you know, what you're actually providing to your consumer, your, your actual why, it's what's going to really drive your entire business, right? Right. And, you know, that's what's going to drive your sales strategy, your marketing strategy, everything you're doing on the back end, not supply chain, whatever. And, you know, when we tried to launch this new product, it didn't fit into who we were. It wasn't in our DNA. It kind of, we were trying to like, you know, fit like a uh, square into like a, a circle, like a, a round pad. It just yeah. it didn't click. And the, the problem then happened is that we just lost our way. We didn't know what we were about. And if you would have asked me when we first started the business, what our mission, what our vision, what our values were, I couldn't tell you. Right? Oh, really? You're just so, probably yeah. worried about selling a product, right? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, we wanted to bring that product, you know, actually bring it to market, sell it, you know, hit these targets, raise money, all that type of stuff. But we then really had to like sit down and be like, who are we? What are we about? Like, why are we doing what we are doing? Um, we actually brought in an agency. It was a great agency who literally helped us dissect our business and make us really understand what we were about and oh, wow. why we were doing what we were doing. So, you know, Simon Sen's book is just so impressive and so necessary that any entrepreneur, any founder, whoever, whatever business that you're going to launch, understand your why right so that like it's very cliche to say that book but it's just so important because you're building your entire company off of why you do or why your product is here and why it should be relevant to a consumer right got it okay that one i just got someone just the other day told me to get that book so you're the second person this week i need to just go buy it it's a great read um you know tons of great information in there um, and then, you know, I, I read a lot of like business books. Um, I read just for fun as well. So I'm reading like the whole Churchill kind of, Oh, cool. And everything they're like, yeah. you know, 27,000 pages each novel. So, uh, I'm take on, a little while. <laughs> yeah. It's a little while for sure. I'm on the second one, but, uh, you know, obviously a, a great guy, a great man, um, you know, very wise. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, those are my uh, books. Love it. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Those are great. Um, You've, you've hit on a couple of things in here, but I would love to just, you know, if you had to boil it down to one thing, what advice do you have for anyone who wants to start their own company? Just like if you had one thing to tell someone, uh, you know, in an elevator about starting a business, what would you say? Uh, make sure that you are not only mentally prepared, but also physically prepared. It is oh. exhausting 
um, you know, the time and effort that he put into it, um, it mentally drains you, it physically drains you, right? Um, like I said before, build your company to um, last, not to sell. And don't be afraid to make mistakes. Mistakes are your best friend. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you become better. Um, I feel like, you know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there, a lot of ones that I was very close to that, you know, frowned upon mistakes that they should not have happened, that they shouldn't be happening. You know, why are they happening? And I was like, this is a good thing. If mistakes yeah. don't happen, you're not taking risk. You're not really you're not really an entrepreneur or a founder if you're not making mistakes. You're not really building a business if you're not making a mistake because you're learning from them. You know, you're, you're doing something that you may not know what you're doing or you don't have all the information on. And even if you did have all the information on it, there's still something or the other that's going to go wrong because you can't predict the future. So learn from your mistakes, embrace them, right? Um, I think that's the absolute kind of, best thing that I did that kind of helped me grow, helped me gain my experience. And then that's what I can share with other people. I don't tell them what to do. I tell them what I did and what I did wrong. And then they can go and decide from there how they want to handle. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I love that. That is fantastic advice. Yeah. Thank you. appreciate it. That's great. Um, and really the, the last thing is just how can people follow you, Boo, Union Crate, or if there's some good places for people to check all this stuff out? Yeah, well, I don't know if following me on uh, you know uh, Instagram is going to be fun. I literally post once <laughs> every two months, and it's primarily pictures of my kids. They are cute kids, though, so if you want to go and see them, I, I have my handle. It's uh, it's crazy Canali without the A. And long story with that, my uh, uncle always love it. That. Yeah, it, it stuck. Uh, Union Crate at Union Crate, right? Um, we're very active on um, Instagram. It's pretty cool on Instagram what we do. We provide. Uh, data or information for specific categories that may be trending, you know, oh. week, that month, you know, um, check it out. It, it's yeah, pretty definitely cool. check it out. You know, that way, um, you know, even on Twitter, you know, our uh, founder has become very active on there. So he's been getting a lot of good, um, you know, uh, a lot of good um, engagement. Um, and then Boo is uh, at booforyou.com. You know, I, um, we post a lot of uh, great um, recipes, you know, just images of food. You know, it's it's uh, it's the food porn stuff yeah. that uh, actually uh, share, and uh, you get a lot of good ideas for uh, certain recipes uh, following that. Okay, got it. That's awesome. Yeah, I was on um, I was on Amazon earlier today, looking to see if, if Boo was on there. I, it was one of the first ones I've seen that's like delivered by Whole Foods. Yeah, I haven't so, seen that very often. Yeah. Amazon Fresh, I believe, right? Yeah. So it's a partnership with Whole Foods. I believe we need to be in Whole Foods uh, in order to do that. Yeah, that, uh, that took a while. That was, that was a long time in, in the works. Um, and it's good to see that we finally got that done. But yeah, you know, we're, 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 we're pretty national, you know, like Walmart, Target, um, you know, Whole Foods, Stop and Shop. Um, you know, what our CEO is doing is trying to get more of that um, e-commerce presence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, never easy. Uh, but she's, she's doing a good job of that. Awesome. No, that's fantastic. Kunal, thank you so much. This is, this is a blast. I want to be conscious of your time and I appreciate you so much for coming on the show though. This was awesome. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Kunal, thank you so much again. And I'll uh, put all these links in the show notes and I uh, hope you have a great weekend. Cool. Thanks. You too, awesome. man. Awesome. See ya. 